Welcome, everyone, to Los Libertinos Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Abelar, and this is Chingazos and Fire, episode number 46. Our guest today, oh, you know what, dude, let me start that off. I, I didn't ask, your last, your, how do you pronounce your last name, man? My two, bad. Two, two syllables. Hasloff. Okay, Hasloff. okay. But it's J.R. But it's, Hasloff. It, J.R. Hasloff. Okay, man, my bad, dude, I should have asked you before that. Okay. No, you're good. Welcome, everyone, to Los Libertinos Podcast. I am your host, Carlos Abelar, and this is Chingazos and Fire, episode number 46. Our guest today is J.R. Hasloff. He is a San Antonio native, retired military that served in the Navy as an intelligence officer specializing in geopolitics in Iran, China, and Russia. He's the author of two books that are meant to help you get your PSC certification, which I think gets you good with the DOD, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. And um, he's a lifetime member of the Libertarian Party and is the current Bear County chairman for the party. Uh, uh, welcome, JR. Hey, thanks, man. Good to see you, Carlos. Yeah, yeah, it was good to see you. And uh, man, uh, uh, I feel bad that at the event that I had here, I wasn't able to talk to everybody a little bit more. It was a little crazy, but uh, uh, I'd like to thank you for uh, coming and and uh, it's funny that uh, uh, libertarian guys are the only other people that bring my wife flowers. So that's kind of interesting, <laughs> man. But uh, she appreciated those. Uh, thank yeah, you no, for that. it was uh, it was a good party, man. You had a lot going on there, so I didn't have a lot of time to chat with you directly. But I, I met a lot of people at your your place that I have known for years in the liberty movement, and I just never put a face to it. So really thought that was cool to meet the meet some of those people and, and uh, have some good conversation. So now we get to talk a little bit, and uh, I'm excited for that. So, uh, so first of all, can you kind of give a uh, background uh, 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 for yourself? Um, a lot of my audience would not know who you are, but uh, especially people here in San Antonio, that is a, a big part of my audience, would uh, like to know uh, a little bit about you for sure, because um, you're the, the the county chair for the LP, and anybody that knows me a little bit knows that I lean right libertarian, so... Um, yeah, man, kind of give some of your background or some of the intro I kind of put in there, like some of that in there can go ahead and give a, a, a long freestyle of it, because it's, I think you might have an interesting background of all your moving and different things that you have done in your life. So born, raised, siblings, all that stuff, man, please. Sure, man. Yeah, born in Texas. Um, actually, my background isn't too much of consequence, but I, I've taken a long trip to come back here to San Antonio. So uh, born here in uh, Texas kind of lived here in Texas throughout my, my early years. I joined the Navy in the 90s, uh, was an intelligence officer, kind of traveled the map. I think we were talking offline. Yeah, I moved like 13 different times within 20 years um, with the Navy, kind of worked all over. And then, and as soon as I could, as soon as I hit my 20 years in the Navy, it was a, it was a good time to get out of the Navy and uh, got back to Texas about as fast as I could. Um, I'm up here on the north side of San Antonio. I have uh, I've built this beautiful house. I've got like a seven-year-old and an eight-year-old. And man, my whole lifestyle went from, you know, kind of understanding what's going on in the world and being a single guy to getting married, to having kids, to like, what are we going to do for the future here? So my, my whole worldview is really, you know, I'm moving back to San Antonio, built this beautiful house. I'm going to die in this house, brother. Like this is, I'm up here on the north side of town. It's where I grew up. It's me, Barrio. Like, this is like where I'm going to be. What can I do here in San Antonio? Because this, this world is kind of where we're headed. This trajectory isn't making us too happy, right? So what can I do for my kids to make San Antonio a better place? How can I bring liberty to San Antonio? So my worldview has really shrunk down. Um, I, I retired from the Navy in 2019. Uh, I was the treasurer for the local Libertarian Party here in Bear County for a couple of years. Uh, we didn't do a whole lot. Um, I just got elected as the chair, and my my direction now for the next at least two years is to uh, bring the libertarian message here to San Antonio, uh, provide outreach, grow our membership. Um, if if I can get some things nullified here at the local level, you know, I don't I don't really care what's going on at the national level. You know, Jr.'s voice at the presidential level means almost nothing, right? You and I have very little influence at national politics. At Texas politics, it's kind of the same. We don't have as much influence. I would love Texas to succeed. That'd be great. Uh, but in the meantime, San Antonio, we have a little bit more influence. And so my goal here over the next couple of years, uh, once again, just bring liberty here locally, uh, see if we can nullify some things, if we can get a good DA and a good sheriff um, in office that can you know, just 
refuse to enforce some of the, the national laws and regulations that are that are dripping down here into our backyards. Uh, that's the goal. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So uh, you being in a government for uh, 20 plus years and especially overseas, you had a front row seat to our uh, foreign policy being played out. Um, uh, at that time, did you have a libertarian, non-interventionist, uh, foreign policy view of things, or did you grow into that over time? And kind of uh, then, I guess the a li- again a little bit of the background of how you got into the libertarian li- uh, uh, side of uh, view, you know, things. Sure. Yeah. Short answer is no. I, I didn't always have this worldview. I, I joined uh, the Navy in the '90s. I was actually on deployment um, overseas whenever September 11th happened. I grew up kind of a, a non-political, you know, apolitical, didn't really care about politics. Uh, but the good news is I'm here to tell you that a lot of people, especially in the intel world, it only takes one deployment to, you know, Iraq or Afghanistan to see, okay, here's our mission. And this is what we're doing, which is something completely different. And, and it's, I can tell you, there are a lot of libertarians in the military. Um, and it really only takes one deployment for us to kind of compare and contrast what we're supposed to be doing what the stated goal, what that stated mission is, and what we're actually doing. And, and you know, without saying it in front of your seniors, you know, the, the conversation that we have with each other is, this can't work. Like, this this wouldn't work. Why, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Um, so really, that, that's what probably that uh, was probably one of the primary movers that said, hey, maybe this, this isn't the best idea. This empire building is likely to go wrong. Uh, there was some guy named Ron Paul who came around, you know, in the, the mid 2000s and then uh, late 2010s, who was saying the right things and saying like, you know, empire building is, is always going to be our downfall. Um, so there was a lot of just different things that that turned me political and that got me activated. Um, I would say Ron Paul is, is the primary, though, and not just like my job being a and then this one guy saying all the things um, that uh that, that were coming true. You know, he talked about backlash. CIA even teaches back, uh, backlash. You know, so all these things that were happening, um, he was saying, and uh, and oh by the way, the intelligence community was throwing us under the bus, saying that you know all of our introduction into you know Iraq was a uh, intelligence failure. And it's like, bro, I'm briefing the things that I'm getting directly handed to by the CIA. This is the morning report that we're briefing our seniors. You're giving us the intel. How can you tell us this is an intel failure? So, you know, cognitive dissonance can only get you so far. And I guess kind of being inside that machine long enough, you, you it, it turns you, you know, w- without much effort, I guess. Well, man, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, let's get into this a little bit, just because uh, uh, I've never, I don't think I've ever talked to an intelligence officer before or former. So like uh, right now, when you said, bro, come on, bro, that space there, what, What's going on in that space that people are the little disconnect? Is it um, like like a certain class of people that are trying to move up? So they're trying to uh, I don't know, like, is it narrative building for a different agenda than what's on the ground? Or like what what did you kind of see of why there was that little like, come on, Vato, you know, you know, like, you know, what was going on there? Yes, there's a couple of things like in the intelligence community, I'm. I'm a glorified PowerPoint builder. Like that's my, my job is to read up and, and understand geopolitics and understand history of events. And when, when it comes down to it, whether I'm on an aircraft carrier and my job is to provide intelligence for the entire kind of battle group, the, the extra ships that are out there with us, you know, I'm not the guy who's actually researching what's going on on the ground in Iraq. So a lot of times you have, it always goes back to sources. Where are you finding your information mm-hmm. from? Well, a lot of times as an intelligence officer, you, we, we, we steal from everywhere. So we go to the CIA's website every morning and we pull down their morning brief and we, we find the president's morning daily. Uh, and we, we're, we're kind of picking and pulling from the same sources who later were throwing us under the bus. So I guess the first question is, or the first answer is, you know, it all comes down to kind of our sources and where you're getting it from. And one of the things that me, for me personally, this isn't uh, something that you might find across the military. But for me personally, I was like, how can you throw me under the bus? How can you say this was an intelligence failure when it's being fed from the top? When, when, when all we're doing as you know, lowly intel guys is pulling from your dailies and then kind of briefing that out to, to our clients. So I, I guess my first answer is um, I felt kind of betrayed, felt kind of like this is how this whole thing is set up. 
And then when I see it in the news and I have my friends and family saying, hey man, their intelligence failure is the word that's like in all the headlines. That, is that you? Did JR do something? And I'm like, no, man, I don't. I'm just a guy who takes it from them. So this is their narrative from, from the beginning. Hmm. So the, like you said, the system is built up in a way to have you guys as a scapegoat. Is that kind of what you're saying, right? A little bit? Not necessarily. Uh, your mileage may vary. And if other people are from the Intel community, their mileage may vary as well. But it is, it is top down, you know, like whenever you have you know, very selective sources and techniques on how we get information, those people will have that information and, and it does dribble down. Um, I wouldn't say scapegoat. I'm kind of trying to dance away from that word, but it, it does set yourself up for a scenario where you can scapegoat an entire community when the very top is the one who's disseminating that bad information. Okay. So um, yeah. And, uh, and I, and I, and I, and I'm interested in this stuff because recently I've interviewed uh, some people that, you know, I guess there's the new theme about, and that's not new, but it definitely was more mainstream through Trump, which was like the idea of the deep state. Uh, some people call it like the, I don't know, the bureaucratic class or some other people call it the cathedral, I guess, uh, depending on which view you take. Um, you know, being a libertarian and especially being in the party uh, or being in the liberty movement, you always kind of think, how can we shift away? from that type of uh i wouldn't say mindset but that shift away from uh or how you know i guess the idea has always been like oh how do we make government smaller and all that or like the idea also would be like if you were working in that uh, field but you weren't overseas because we weren't the empire what would you be doing or like so i guess the question is uh how do we slowly or i guess fast if it happens that way it doesn't seem to be like shift away from that it seems like that that class of people uh and i got no beef with them directly because i'm thinking like it's part of the system like it just feels like you know uh it continuously grows with that and and, and they kind of are in the shadows a little bit but it's okay because you know as long as they you know make their money get paid you know it's okay you know so like how 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 as a libertarian do you start like convincing people i guess or something like to start shifting the, the the tide of that a little bit yeah it's um as you're asking the question i don't have a very positive answer for you uh, for a couple of different reasons one is we just saw trump get elected in you know in 2016 through 2020 and we saw you know whether you call it you, you called it the bureaucrats you called it the deep state you called it the cathedral um we saw all of these people and, and, and let me just preface this i always have to preface this like i hate trump like I think he's, I think he should go to prison for the rest of his life for war crimes for what he did in Yemen. With that understood, I saw him rise up as an outsider. I saw him get elected as a president, and I saw each one of those entities that that you referred to as the cathedral completely do everything they could to to remove him from power or to at least slow down, you know, his uh, his his agenda, right? And so. Negatively, I, I look at that and I say, oh, wow, what if we ever had a, a libertarian president? If we ever had a libertarian president, it, president, it would be that times 10. Like there, because what we're talking about is job security. You're talking about you know, these bureaucrats who, man, I make uh, you know, 220K a year, and I'm, I'm kind of like the director within this three-letter acronym. Like, well, I will do everything I can because if this libertarian gets in there, they will start to dismantle the things. And, and as a libertarian, I believe that that is the response uh, but I'm, I'm a little bit, um, I guess, more negative perceived on how to do that or that it will ever get done because that motivation is so knee jerked against that dismantling, if that makes sense. You know, the libertarian view is that uh, obviously the CIA, if we're, if we're going to remove all of our overseas bases and bring all of our troops home and stop interfering in the, the lives of other countries and stop bombing all these other countries and stop trying to uh, put coups in place and try to take over all these other countries, then we don't need a CIA. You know, if that's the intent, then we don't need a CIA. Maybe we need uh, you know, some, some security to how do we keep the United States safe? That's probably, a, you know, some would argue that would be a good logical reason for government, keep the United States safe, what's, on, what's in our best interests. Uh, but libertarians believe that you know, it's become such a monstrosity 
of three-letter agencies that they would have to get dismantled. I can only imagine, uh, to go back to your second part of your question, I can only imagine that if a libertarian got in there, we would see kind of that knee-jerk times 10. Um, but that but that is the way forward is we have to just continually message to people like, hey, you know what, you know what, this is going on. We just had an active shooter who was a, a you know, a Syrian. And, and in his manifesto, he talked about, you know, the uh, the Libyan slave markets that we create, you know, that Hillary Clinton was so proud of in 20 in the 2013, 2015 region. Uh, so like we have to show that message. We have to show people um, that that this is a real thing, us interfering with people's lives over there brings them here to do bad things here. The politicians won't tell you that. The politicians will say, yeah, that's because JR owns one too many firearms and we need to limit the amount of, you know, magazines JR is allowed to have. And they, they twist that. So I, I'm not really positive on that we'll ever get that done. You know, I, to me, I'm, I'm not very positive, which is why I, I don't focus a lot on national politics. I don't focus a, a lot at the higher levels. I focus, you know, what can I do here in my own backyard? Yeah, that's, uh, man, my brain went to a lot of uh, different questions there, but uh, I have to go to this one because I think it's cool and we'll see how uh, this one goes. But when you said, um, uh, what, what, if a libertarian president ever got into office and it would basically be, uh, be what they did to Trump times 10, well, my brain automatically went to, uh, you know, with the, with, with the, the deep state or whatever, uh, without thought or, you know, if if it's somebody really with power and had the, I guess the consent of the people in a in, in a real way, would would they um, assassinate a president if they have to? Yeah, that's uh, kind of getting into conspiracy there. Um, well, times ten, you I, know, times ten yeah, to yeah. times ten. Yeah, no, I I threw out the number multiplier. So yeah, I I think they would. Um, I, and. T- to be honest, like if Trump, the bumbling idiot that Trump was, you know, if, if that's what we saw with him, you know, trying to to get him impeached multiple times and, and all the leaks and all, all of the apparatus, you know, not even following his own orders, giving him bad information as the uh, as a um, the president, if, if they would do that for him. And again, he's a bumbling idiot without really an agenda. If a libertarian with a stated agenda of getting rid of you know, this entire monstrosity of, of three-letter agencies. Yeah, I could, I could see that that being in play. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so that definitely makes the Libertarian uh, Party. So let's go from like, uh, from national, and then we'll, we'll, we'll bring it down. So, so for sure, uh, that would make uh, the Libertarian Party the, the, the underdog, which I've always liked the idea of the underdog. I'm a big uh, boxing fan. And when I don't have really you know, any say on who, who I want to win, you know, I always go for the underdog, um, regardless of wherever their country or party or whatever. But uh, yeah, that would make the Libertarian Party the underdog. So so why um, why go that route uh, politically? Uh, that would be the question that anybody that you'd want to uh, uh, get into the party, uh, mostly I would say uh, would be like... Uh, Republicans that are maybe kind of not feeling the Republican Party. Maybe you'll get some uh, Democrats, or or maybe you get some independents. But um, but uh, you know, a lot of people that aren't into this, like we are, you know, basically their main action is the national uh, election. You know, and maybe the midterms a little bit, but you know, that's the action they like, right? I mean, that's that's the fun one. You know, that's the yep. one that that's the. Um, you know, why would um, uh, uh, somebody want to join a party uh, that is the underdog that uh, has very that, that the system like we just talked about will go against it? You know, and uh, you could speak to the to the to the rules already that are against it for uh, the debates and uh, ballot access and all that. I mean, speak to the underdog part. But why would somebody want to become a libertarian? Yeah, so for me, you know, I. I whenever I first started to get political, I, I, I would have preferred like you, the Republican message because they actually campaign on small government. They campaign on low taxes. They campaign on, you know, the ability for JR to go out and purchase a firearm to protect my family. You know, that, that right to protect myself is, is kind of what they at least campaign on. Now, how they govern is completely different. You know, they, they, they campaign as libertarians and they, they govern as Democrats truly. I think that was a Harry Brown quote. Um, so why would someone become a, a libertarian? 
uh, if you actually voted, and, and I think the last Republican I voted for was in 2000, I voted for that Bush guy um, because I was in the military and he, he campaigned on a humble foreign policy, not one of you know, foreign entanglements, which sounded like a good idea, which did not come to fruition. We had the longest war in our history because of him. Um, so you I, know, I guess, uh, let me interrupt you real yeah. quick, man, because I never, so I, rem, you know, I, w- I remember Ron Paul talking about that too. So when you guys heard that, the, the humble foreign policy, that was something that you, that, that did like that resonated with, with a lot of people like, Hey, we need to chill out. I mean, that, that was something that in your community, the like uh, military, like, Hey, they like the sound of that. You know, was that something that you guys really did? embrace like hey that's absolutely you know and it all comes back to what i mentioned earlier this is you know as a bureaucrat with job security i want to push against trump and push against people who are going to make my job go away as a a very young you know 19 year old jr hasloff who lives on a guided missile cruiser and you know i i lived on it like that is my livelihood so you know when it comes down to that one four-year vote that you know i got to cast at the time that one big Kentucky Derby my my horse was on the guy who says we're not gonna you know have the longest war in our history and that turned out to be a very naive vote of mine but yeah the answer to your question is absolutely um we 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 look at things like that and we vote uh, with our own personal interests and then just to to talk about uh, your initial question which was like how would how would someone like why would someone vote libertarian um, I was kind of talking about how I started off with Republicans and that all the things they were saying in their campaigning, they were kind of doing the opposite. Um, it all kind of came down to principle. You know, if, if I'm only going to vote every four years or maybe every two years, and I'm going to keep voting for these Republicans, and they're just going to continue failing me at every turn, then then eventually I don't really care so much about being on the winning team or being on the losing team. You know, every four years, I think most people in politics just places their vote and they're either going to be very happy for the next four years uh, and they're going to ignore politics because their guys are in charge or they're going to really talk about that incumbent. Man, I told you guys. And it's like a very team centric sport. Uh, and, and a lot of people who go libertarian say, hey, I don't care about your team sports anymore nobody's representing my interests. I'm going to, I'm going to vote for the guy who actually, you know, believes in the things I believe and will actually govern in the way I believe. Um, so that, that's kind of the first thing is it's, it's really a principle. Uh, it's a principled vote. You know, I sleep very well at night knowing that I voted for a libertarian for the past, you know, 16 years and not the R's and the D's who have, who have kind of uh, rolled us over the coals. Um, and the second, second part of kind of what you had asked was, you know, how, do, how does somebody, why would someone want to root for the underdog? And and to be real honest with you, I, I have very good news in, in that regard. The libertarians are the underdog. The libertarians are a, a significantly small party. Um, but just, just recently, you know, we were at the national convention there in Reno. Uh, there's this small faction of the libertarian party called the Mises Caucus. And, and they want to, you know, re-embolden this old Ron Paul revolution. You know, the thing that brought so many of us to the libertarian movement. Uh, These guys have been organizing and bringing more people into the movement, uh, and they showed up to Reno, and it was a clean sweep. All all of their officers on the staff, uh, they replaced with their own, um, all of the at-larges and all the other different officer positions, you know, in the regions. uh, They they put their guys in because we were, uh, they were a little bit tired of, you know, why is the Libertarian Party trashing a guy like Ron Paul? That that, for those of us who came into the movement through Ron Paul, that that didn't make sense, and so. they definitely the underdog, but a lot of the uh, momentum and a lot of the energy is with uh, these Mises Caucus guys, and they're looking to be unapologetically libertarian again. And, um, you know, we were talking about the debates earlier. We could really get into that, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a new world. We don't have to get in the debates anymore. We've got a lot of our guys that are. Uh, are, you, are you still there, Carlos? Yeah. You froze up on me. Yeah, you froze up on me too, but uh, there's just keep uh, the talking still going. Keep rolling. Yeah, I can see you. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you talk about social media, and to be honest with you, we don't we don't need the legacy debates anymore. The Republicans are even threatening to drop out of the presidential debates next cycle, which is great uh, because we have enough of our guys that are on Kennedy, that are on Fox News, that are on the Michael Malice, that are on Joe Rogan, that are on all of these great uh, these great huge platforms. It's a new world, um, and I don't know if we need to get in the debates anymore. Because the message, 
it, it's resounding with a lot of people. A lot of people are going to the gas pump every day and, and, and getting more involved in politics because they're paying, you know, $5 a gallon for gas. Uh, and, and our message is resounding a little bit more. So it's a good underdog story. And I'm, I'm glad to be a uh, part of it. Yeah. What about uh, ballot access? I mean, uh, that's a big deal because even if you uh, are able to uh, push the underdog or, or, or a message or, or get people to vote for you, I mean, to get people to, to, to want to support you, they can't if uh, you don't have ballot access. Uh, can you kind of speak a little bit to the, to, to the rules and all of that, that they're put against uh, you, you know, because that, you know, the, the underdog, messaging is i think a winning message uh especially because uh right now everybody can uh under uh can get uh on that message but uh yep. yeah the ballot access stuff I, when i first started getting in i was like oh man that's fucked up these but you know you know and you know so anyway can you speak a little bit to that because uh that also goes down to the local politics to all the ballot access stuff can so can you speak a little bit to the national and how that also affects like the the local stuff Sure, I can. And I'm going I'm to speak at a very high level. I'm not qualified to speak to, to each of the. So every state has their own rules on what it takes in the state of Alabama to you know, get the Libertarian Party on the ballot for the state of Alabama. So there's 50 different sets of rules. Um, in general, I can tell you that the rules are created by Republicans and Democrats in a way that they want to limit the amount of uh, the voice that the Libertarians have. They also want to make it very painful uh, very time-consuming and very expensive for the libertarians to maintain ballot access. Ballot access is, is is the lifeblood of the libertarian party. Like our number one mission when you come to work every day is to ensure that we have maintained ballot access. Mm. Um, so I, I will tell you that the Republicans and Democrats will do some things like, okay, in order for you to have ballot access in state A, what we need you to do is run a candidate who's at least gotten 20% of the vote on a statewide ballot, so, or you know, go out and get 350,000 signatures, or have you know, a, 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 and this like it's a big convoluted algorithm. Each for the 50 states, uh, there's just hoops to to jump through. Sometimes those hoops are flaming. Sometimes those hoops are, you know, if you talk to the average person, they're like, what? Why? Why is that written like that? And it's written like that because the Republicans and Democrats want uh, to make it harder. You know, they, they, it's basically preventing competition. It's the same reason they keep us out of the debates. We want to prevent competition at all costs. Um, one would say that if I owned the media, I would also prevent any mention of the libertarians whenever I, I show the people the polls and, and the horse race polls of who's doing well and who's polling where. Um, and we saw that in the Ron Paul campaign. He was the Iowa caucuses famously in 2008, where it's like, Here's, here's the guy in first place, and, and here's the guy in third place, and here's the guy in fourth place. And that's the poll that they're going to put up on the media. And the question being is like, okay, Ron Paul's in second. Why isn't his name up there? It's just like this explicitly absurd, you know, prevent, uh, prevent competition at all costs. So I, I can't speak specifically about, you know, what, what those hoops are. I can just speak in general to them. Uh, but it is a gauntlet that the Libertarian Party every two years has to pick up that gauntlet one more time and, and kind of run through it and uh, achieve ballot access. And it's, a, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. When I look back at some of the people who've been in the party a lot longer than me, it's a lot of legwork, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of money. Uh, and we, we absolutely appreciate those who, who continue to work that. Hey, what's up everyone? Please visit our sponsor, palomaverdecbd.com. It is a small business that my wife, Vanessa, and I have been running for several years now. Uh, besides growing at, a, at its own pace, um, we have also been growing our uh, product line. Uh, in the last several months, we've gotten uh, bath bombs, massage oils, uh, different things like that. And recently, uh, brand new, we just got some uh, THCV gummies uh that are 10 milligrams uh they're legal um they're still derived from hemp but uh these have some uh, unique characteristics that uh, are especially uh good for anybody that's uh, an intermittent faster uh that does some of that fasting um i've been doing fasting like that for two or three years now uh but uh you know just like anything uh at night when you start getting some of those uh, hunger pains you uh, tend to snack a little bit. Um, you know, what do you do? Nobody's perfect. But uh, 
these uh, so we we, we we sampled these out for the last month and what it is uh what i feel is that um when i take them so basically i eat once a day big lunch tacos fajitas whatever today i ate some chicken tostadas guacamole you know, you know it was good but uh, around this time um i started feeling a little bit of uh some of that hunger so i'll eat one of these and it kind of helps me focus on not wanting to eat. So they call these, uh, they kind of have like a, a, a dietary, kind of a diet aspect to them and also like a focus aspect to them. So um, if that's your thing, uh, if you uh, want to try these out, for sure, uh, visit Paloma Verde CBD. Of course, uh, you can get all of your other CBD products there. And uh, use the promo code Chingasos, C-H-I-N-G-A-S-O-S for 20% off anything in the store. Uh, once again, palomaverdecbd.com. Peace. Yeah, so um, you have brought up the Mises uh, Caucus and how they basically uh, took over the party, I guess, through you know putting their people in place. Uh, are you in uh, support of the, like you spoke of, like the momentum behind that energy? Um, are you... Um, going to be at an arm's length to see what actually gets done um uh what uh, what are you expecting from that uh from what happened in reno sure yeah so i guess my relationship with the mises caucus has has kind of varied throughout the years uh, in 2017 when they started up a, a lot of our focus was on uh this this guy who was the chair of the party at the time i don't even want to mention his name like there's this guy who's like ruining the thing that I love, right? So how do we, you know, get rid of all the internal pol political squabbling and how do we go back to being libertarian again and have this unabashedly, unapologetically libertarian message that we can go out and talk to people and recruit people? So when I started, it was, uh, I mean, I started, we were planning for the 2018 New Orleans Convention and it was, let's be libertarian again, let's get to work, let's start facing outwards and spread the message instead of facing inwards uh, with all the drama. And then over the years, as the Mises Caucus grew, I did become arm's length with them, uh, mostly because on the national level, once you start getting a lot of libertarians organizing around anything, there's going to be bad takes, there's going to be bad social media messaging, there's going to be idiots that you don't want to affiliate with. So I probably went arm's length, um, only donating and kind of supporting specific projects that I liked, specific candidates I liked. Um, but as far as them, they've done it, they've come in, they've taken over. All the momentum is behind the Mises Caucus right now. You know, there was a Thursday night at Reno. There was the Mises Bash. And man, you're talking, like, so Ron Paul was obviously the keynote speaker. You have uh, Scott Horton. You, you talked to Scott Horton yet? I have not, but uh, yeah, I know who he is. Uh, I, I plan to have him on the show soon. Got to get him on the show, man. That guy, as an intelligence officer, that guy makes you feel stupid. You could just say <laughs> a country name and he'll go off for 45 minutes. That's the thing, man. That's the thing, man. I, uh. I, I already feel like I'm talking to a bunch of uh, all you guys, smart people. I feel like I'm just going to like, if I talk to him, I don't even know what I'm going to say. Like, I think I might just say, Hey, what's up. And he's just going to go off talking about like for like 30 minutes about, yeah. about yeah, what's up, what, about what's up Stan or something. I don't know about what, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be the easiest interview you ever do. You just, <laughs> just roll in and be like, Ukraine, am I right? And then turn your mic off and then let the man work. Um, so, so they, very it was a party. It was a party there. It, it was an amazing party. And, and the organizers were very smart in only letting Scott Horton be the MC. So he didn't talk the entire night because the man can, he's capable of, of oh, that's dropping funny. the knowledge on you. So he was the MC. They had like Daniel McAdams, who's Ron Paul's right hand man. Uh, they had Zuby, uh, Maj Ture. Um, who else was there? Tom Woods was there. Obviously, Dave Smith. Uh, had the the second keynote and then he introduced ron paul man and the the energy in the room was like freaking palpable like like it was amazing it was it was definitely a story of the weekend that the mises caucus has the energy uh they have the momentum and, and if you're asking me like is that a good thing or is that a bad i think that's absolutely a good thing like this party needs to be re-energized this party has so much work to do um, and and if, if you just kind of get rid of all the the stupid drama nonsense, like every time I go online and I, I, you see all these people kind of arguing and the Mises cockies are like the white supremacist, Nazi, you know, uh, misogynist, like you just start labeling all the things. You, you mute those people. 
because every time I see one of these books written by uh, people who who hate some part of the uh, of the Libertarian Party, in my mind, I'm thinking, brother, that that's like three donor calls you could have just made. You know, you, you could have set up a booth at, at a local event in the time it took you to write this book. You know, th this is you could have written a press release on what's going on here in Texas, something Matthew McConaughey related. Like there's, there's always something that could be done. And you chose to to drive that energy negatively internal to the party. You got to block those people. I think the momentum and the, of the Mises caucus is a great thing. I'm very excited to, uh, you know, as a lifetime member of the LNC, I stopped funding them many years ago. Uh, I was very happy to to start up a recurring donation again. I think I think there's good things ahead. Yeah. Um, so on the national side, uh, it sounds like there's a lot of energy behind that, obviously. And yeah, I've been following them, and I'm I'm like on the Facebook uh, Facebook uh, uh, groups and stuff like that. Yeah, man. I mean, I uh, I, I like the idea of, of of everything they're doing. You know, I I got no beef with with, with any of what they're doing. Um, one thing for sure that I've always uh, has been a big part of uh, well my ad agenda and and obviously uh, you know being here in South South Texas um, is uh, the immigration issue. Um, what is your personal stance on the immigration issue at large? And then uh, does it align with with the the new Libertarian Party? structure not structure but like the the momentum behind in the Mises cut does it align with what you would you like nationally with your beliefs like so I guess this is the immigration side of the of the of the conversation here so so go ahead and freestyle I don't you know I, I don't know your sure. take so let's see yeah yeah so there's two things we don't talk about as libertarians it's immigration and abortion so let's talk about both um, so I would say that my uh, my position with the Mises caucus was never in full alignment I didn't vote with them um, on many items throughout the the weekend there at Reno, their position, and I don't I don't want to misrepresent anybody's position, but their theirs is a um, anti-immigration position, I, I believe. And again, I just want to be walking on eggshells here. I don't want to misrepresent anyone. I believe it's because we have such a large welfare state that that welfare state is a magnet, and if we were to open up all borders today, then that would accelerate kind of the downfall of the nation. I'm sure there's a lot more nuance to their position. I don't, I don't know it enough to um, to steel man it. But I will say that my my position is more of a free markets position. My position is more of, um, I mean, I've, I've read you read you read enough, you know, Henry Hazlitt and, and Friedman, and you read enough e economists who talk about um, the utility, the marginal utility value of labor, and you start thinking, how can I have everything I need in just my country, right? Like. The, the, the whole I pencil essay, um, forget the guy who wrote it, Lawrence Reed, I believe. Uh, he, he even talks about just to make a damn pencil, like we need, it's like 15 or 20 different countries of labor, of, of raw materials. Um, and and that, that resounds well with me. So I've always been more of a, an open, uh, not completely open borders guy, but hey, we, we can't be stupid and sit back behind a big, beautiful wall or whatever and, and think that our economy is just going to do great, you know, that our small businesses are just going to flourish. You know, we need, we need labor. We need uh, people's talents from overseas. And we need uh, obviously a free enough market that we can get supplies and materials from overseas as well. So that's probably one where uh, the, the Mises Caucus and I don't align. Um, I think there's great arguments on both sides. And I think you can come to that argument with with good faith, um, but it's probably somewhere where we don't align, and it's somewhere where the the libertarian platform doesn't say, "Hey, guess what? The libertarian platform is X, right?" And it's not something that we saddle our, our candidates with that, and that's, I believe, it's by design. You know, I can run candidates who are, you know, who might want to build a wall because, you know, until we can dismantle all of this, you know, kind of social welfare cluster that we have. And then open up. They can they can have that as their argument. Uh, we can also run candidates um, such as Mark Tippetts. Mark Tippetts is uh, a governor, a gubernatorial candidate here in Texas. Um, actually, let's talk offline uh, about Mark Tippetts. But a great guy, very interesting guy. I think he's born in Mexico. Run, ran a lot of different uh, companies between Mexico City um, and and Austin. And and, and this guy, he, he's running for governor. He's on the on the ballot here in Texas for, to be our next governor. And his position is, hey, why are we taking the position of building a big wall between us and our closest neighbor? 
you know, he's the guy who's, who's litigated and, and negotiated contract international contracts between these two countries. Mm. So um, he's the guy to, to speak to this probably more eloquently than I am. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about him, off, him offline. Markforgov.com, I think is his um, website for any, any of your listeners who want to check that out. Uh, so yeah, it's one of those positions that the Libertarian Party, we want to keep that as flexible as possible because we can have candidates who are running with a good faith argument on one side versus a good faith argument on another side. Okay. Yeah. And for anybody that wants to see a good faith debate, um, I'll post a link here on the show notes, the Spike Cohen and Dave Smith uh, 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 podcast interview hosted by Mark Clare from the Lions of Liberty podcast. That one's a good one because they both gave their uh, arguments and you can come off just like that, like just knowing that there's there's good faith uh, it, it was it, yes. There's no beef. People agree, they agree to disagree, but you know it, it, it's all good. And then you had brought up uh, the abortion one. Uh, go ahead and freestyle on that one because that one's gonna, especially now, be a little bit controversial here a little bit. Sure. Yeah, that's gonna be super controversial um, for both sides. So in Reno, one of the items of business that uh, the delegation and we had we had over a thousand people from all fifty states show up, and and they are the delegates, and they are voting for you know, different things, changing your rules, changing your platform, electing officers. Uh, one of the things that we had done with our platform was removed the abortion plank. And the abortion plank, um, it was kind of actually framed in the way that I just set up that immigration. Hey, you know, we understand people can have good faith arguments on both sides. Uh, we think the government should stay out of it. But uh, pretty much you can do with whatever you, whatever you, it was a, it was a pro-choice plank saying, hey, you could, um, you can abort your baby, but uh, we don't actually have a stance. It was a non-stance stance. It, it, the, the whole thing was written almost like it was written by a lawyer. Um, <laughs> excuse me, it was. Uh, so what we had done during Reno was remove that plank. Um, we, and, and as the chair of the Libertarian Party here in Bear County, I can tell you, I've only been chair for a couple months, uh, but running our social media even when the Roe versus Wade leaks came out just a couple months back, you know, I'm trying to navigate that messaging in, in, in as a respectful way as I possibly can. I got a lot of responses from people who are saying, and this is why I don't join the Libertarian Party, because they're allowing people to kill the babies and blah, blah you know, and then they, they start going off. So I've seen it firsthand that it is the presence of that plank was a uh, was an obstacle for some to join the movement. I think that the removal of the plank, I personally voted for its removal. Um, I think the removal of that plank has has really um, allowed us to bring in more people. It's less of an obstacle for those people because abortion is obviously something if you believe in or against, you believe in or against very passionately. So now we allow those people to come in and we support candidates who can message from both sides. You know, if that's something, if you're in a district that uh, is a very blue, uh, pro-choicey kind of district, and that's that's how you want to set up your campaign. Um, the LP party now supports you in doing that. If you're out in the middle of West Texas in a very red county, and you want to um, talk about your support for, you know, we won't have abortions here, uh, we support that candidate and allow them to message in, in such a way that their conscience allows. Perfect. So now that, um, and uh, uh, we've kind of, Let's, you know, we're, we're past the national side. You, you kind of brought up the Texas uh, uh, guy running for uh, uh, the, the governor here in Texas. Uh, Mark Tippett. What, yep. Yeah, yeah. What is the um, the stage set up for that uh, race? Uh, what, what, uh, what, what are the the obstacles? What are the upsides? What are you know what's going on with that race then? Sure. So let me take a half step back before we get into the Mark Tippett's gubernatorial race and it kind of transition from national, which, you know, the fallout of national, uh, people, people did not take this well, right? The Mises caucus came in, they did what they said they were going to do. They were told, you know, two years ago, the party belongs to those who showed up, and they showed up, right? So the response to that nationally, and I'll, I'll, I'll start off by talking about nationally was uh, not good. You know, we, we've seen a lot of uh, people who are rage quitting, a lot of people who are withholding donations, a lot of people who, uh, quite frankly, and unfortunately, are wishing the party to fail, and, and that's and that's a shame. So nationally, there's been some fallout from what we'll call the old guard, or what some have affectionately referred to as the cathedral within inside the party, right? So we, we've seen kind of like some some not good things at the national level 
uh, in the Mises caucus, again, are saying, well, we just had 90 new life members. So there's, there's kind of that squabbling at the national level. Uh, here in Texas, we don't have that problem. Here in Texas, um, we have a good balance of everyone who loves liberty. We have a very good balance of people who are running the state, uh, and we have a long-term you know, time threshold where we're going to make the right decisions uh, of, of, for, the, for the state. You know, so we have a Texas first mission here in Texas between I don't care what caucus you're in, we're here to do work. So that's very good. Um, so now that we're at the Texas level, uh, we have Mark Tippetts. Uh, Mark Tippetts is running for governor. Who is the chair of the Texas LP? What's... Sure, the chair of the Texas LP is Whitney Billu. Okay. Yep, and she was also, uh, she also started chairing uh, the national convention because she had kind of filled in for that position um, over the past year or so. Um, so, okay. So here at the Texas, we've got, uh, you know, uh, Mark Tippetts is the libertarian gubernatorial candidate. We have some guy named Beto O'Rourke, who uh, uh, you've, you've probably heard of before. And then you've got the incumbent, which is, um, oh, shoot. Uh, what's the guy's name? Greg Abbott. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so we got Greg Abbott. Um, a lot of people will tell you as far as this race goes, you know, Greg, Greg Abbott had an opportunity during COVID. Like in the last two years, uh, Texans have had a masterclass in what the government can do to affect your life. You know, we were, we were told in, in many parts of the country, like if you can go bury your mom or dad, or if you can attend a funeral, or if you could, your kids can go to school, or if you can go out and get a hair, or you can, if you can do anything, right? We just received a masterclass in what the government can do um, over our, our, over our rights. And, and one of the things that a lot of people are not happy about with Greg Abbott is, he had the ability to be, you know, came, I forget her first name, but, but uh, uh, the governor came up in South Dakota or um, the Florida, the governor DeSantis, like he had the opportunity from the beginning to say, no, thanks. Uh, Texas isn't going to follow, you know, this, the, the lockdowns and all the things that we now know have caused so much grave harm uh, to our kids and to our families. Um, but he didn't. And so that's one of the biggest kind of cultural pushes against Greg Abbott right now is the fact that he could have stood up against these things and he didn't. Uh, it's a really good opportunity for Beto O'Rourke to come in and um, tell us he's not going to take our guns, but then try to t try to be a governor and try to like flip the state from from red to blue. Uh, but I think it's an even better opportunity for someone like Mark Tippett, who has a, a solid platform, a solid immigration platform, a solid uh, economic outlook platform, and one that will really insulate Texas against the national pressures. So when we start getting more national regulation, more gun laws, uh, no matter what the Supreme Court says about X, Y, or Z, in Texas, we shall do this. A very 10th Amendment centric, you know, states rights centric, you know, y'all can do whatever you want out there, but in Texas, we're going to do this. Um, so it should be a really interesting race. Um, again, I'm not following too much with even even the, the Texas level politics. I want to focus all my energy locally, uh, but it should be an, an interesting runoff. And we'll see if uh, if Texans stand up and make that right decision. Uh, I'd love to see Beto O'Rourke soundly defeated again, regardless of which direction that uh, that campaign goes. Um, but yeah, I just want to really want to push back against anything Beto O'Rourke says. We don't want a California or Texas. Yeah. And uh, what about the argument about uh spoiling the the race there um you know uh some people might say and it's okay for the, like if it's if the race gets close enough and the libertarian party you know from history gets what it gets that they would say oh those could have been uh what is your argument against that idea you know i never liked that but you know i understand it i understand the narrative behind it uh uh what is your whole take on the libertarian party being a, a spoiler party yeah um I, i've heard the argument it's it's a good argument for people who ha have such a short timeline where they're just looking at okay in this election you had you know 60 percent for the democrat uh, let's say 30 uh, i won't even do the numbers on the line if it's just enough where the libertarians could have attributed all their votes to the republican and the republican would have won to be honest, to be honest, that's a very weak argument because those of us who are voting libertarian, like I mentioned earlier, we're voting libertarian on principle. We've seen the track record. I'm in my 40s now. I look back. I've seen the track record of Republicans. If you think you're going to get my vote, you have to 
you're likely not getting my vote. Let's just, I don't really want to say what you have to say, but you're not, you're likely not getting my vote to think that we all libertarians would automatically vote for that, you know, spoiled candidate is, is your first fallacy. Um, so it, when we vote, we vote on principle. If the Republicans want to win and not get spoiled, the Republicans should govern like libertarians. That's first and foremost. Uh, the second is, um, let's say Beto wins and for the next couple of years, he's, he's the governor of Texas. What will that do? That, that, that'll likely change our lifestyle pretty dramatically over the last four years. Like we've seen Biden in the White House for a couple of years and already what have we seen? People, fill, every time they fill up their gas pump, they are becoming more political. So sometimes it takes a, a really crappy Joe Biden for people to kind of wake up and say, man, I need to become political and understand what Joe Biden's been doing, what the Republicans would have done, look back at the track record of how the Republicans and Democrats have both kind of failed us and make the correct decision and vote libertarian. Um, I, I can't tell you that it's, a, it's necessarily a good thing that a Democrat would win Texas, uh, but maybe that would empower more people to make a more principled vote. Yeah. Uh, and so now that we get down more to the local uh, level, uh, Bear County, I know you had mentioned uh, the idea of uh, electing a DA or a sheriff um, because of the way that their that their power is uh, is, uh, is 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 able to be manifested on the people. Uh, I had a sheriff. I had an interview with a sheriff from uh, uh, in Arizona. His name was uh, Sheriff Hath David Hathaway. And he was uh, he's like you know, Liberty style, uh, sheriff. And yeah, he was able to tell, uh, the governor there, like, no, we don't want all this COVID stuff or immigration stuff. So, so yeah, there's a lot of power behind that. Uh, so can you kind of speak to what's going on here, uh, locally and what you're trying to do on, on that end, since you had brought it up earlier about, uh, the, the idea of a DA and a sheriff, because, uh, that right there is now something that's going to really affect you locally. And then you had also mentioned maybe, um, uh, uh, maybe some type of laws or regulations that you can uh, maybe try to nullify here, which can be done through the DA. So go, yeah, go ahead and freestyle. Cause this is now your uh, 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 place here. You know, this is what, this is, this is your area here. Sure. Yeah. So everything we've talked to up to this point, you know, who's the president. Uh, we, we don't have a lot of influence over that, who the next governor is. We can, we can hope and we can make our votes known and we can get that messaging out. But that's kind of too far away from home to have an impact. What we can impact here in Bear County and throughout San Antonio is getting a good sheriff, which I mentioned earlier. And the sheriff can at that point, so let me start off, a sheriff, a DA, and school board. Those are the three big folks. Those are the three big, if we're going to elect people, it's not, you know, city council is great. And it's great to have the right dog catcher. What, it's the Bear County sheriff, it's the DA, and it's the school board. And those are the ones I'm, I'm trying to focus on uh, directly because a sheriff can tell all of his deputies that, hey, these are the crimes that we are not going to punish. We're not going to punish. You know, you, you, you catch some young kid. Uh, he's got an ounce of weed on him. Um, you, you know, you make contact. You don't want to ruin that kid's life forever. You know, that goes on his resume. For, you know, there's a lot of issues that are war on drugs. It's impacting real people. So a Bear County sheriff with one vote, with one you know successful campaign, you get that new sheriff in. We now have are not ruining people's lives here throughout Bear County. So that's number one. The second is the district attorney. The district attorney can uh, can not press charges against anything that he or she feels um, is not a good law, right? So that's where the nullification thing comes in. Uh, that DA has an immense amount of power on what they prosecute and what they just hand slap and, and keep off their record. And the third is is the school board. And the school board is something that has become, I guess, over the last two years, uh, a highly political um, lightning rod. And that's a good thing. Uh, just a couple school board um, members is enough to really change the direction of, of what's being taught to our kids and how school boards function and what, where our money is getting uh, spent. So those, those are the three things. Like I said, president's fine, governor's fine. These are the three things that if I'm going to live and die in this house in North County, like these are the things that are directly going to impact my kids. And these are the three, these are three things that we have actually a higher level of influence on. Um, so that, that's really, I guess, the, the local thing. There's a couple other initiatives that, that we can talk about. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of respond to those three. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's important. What, um, what specifically under your leadership will Bear County Libertarians or anybody that wants to join um 
look forward to in building a momentum that is serious about actually winning uh, those positions because, uh, you know, you're definitely the underdog, man. So, you know, this, the show is called Chingazos and Fire, and I'm always for people throwing Chingazos and Fire. So is it going to be conventional under your leadership? Do you have some uh, different uh, tactics under your sleeve? Um, maybe you can't give them all out. Uh, what, what, you know, under your leadership, what do you, uh, w- what is going to be considered a successful term for you? Sure. So a successful term for me is first and foremost, get libertarians elected. Um, how we would do that, I, I can't, as the chair of the Libertarian Party here in Bear County, tell a candidate, hey, JR, I want to be a candidate for uh, sheriff. I can't direct that person how to run their own campaign. I can do as much as I can to coach that person, provide them talking points, give them guardrails, give them enough staff and volunteers to help run a successful campaign, push their message as much as I can. I'm a little bit arm's distance away from uh, candidates. We can provide support, uh, but we can't, I, I can't direct them. We're sure. a very decentralized movement. Um, so what we can do here in San Antonio, uh, first and foremost, I'm looking for people who want to be uh, sh- sheriff, DA, highly qualified people with the libertarian sway, um, who we can get you in front of people and, and get that vote. Same with school board members. If you're one of these people who uh, you're, you're getting the messages at home from your school board, you're not happy with the results of your, uh, how your children are being uh, taught, come talk to us. Uh, email us at officers at lpbear.org. Or just go to lpbear.org, uh, uh, find a way to get to us. We'll get in touch. We'll get you out in front of the right people, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll push you in front of the right people to get, to get those votes. Um, so that's first and foremost. Another part of, a, I think, what I believe would be a successful term, not just candidates, is to grow the party. Um, to be honest with you, the last couple of years, I was the treasurer over the last couple of years, and the party was a bit stagnant. And... Um, I think there's a pretty good excuse for that. You know, we had COVID, everything was locked down, people weren't going out, people weren't um, doing things. But but already in the first couple of months that I've been chair, we've done more in the last couple of months than we have the last couple of years. And I'm excited to, to say that, that we're, we're going out there, uh, we're running booths, um, we're getting our messaging back up and running again. Uh, we've got Juneteenth this month, we're going to be out uh, at the Pride Festival this month. Um, we're going to be running, you know, Mark Tippett's fundraisers. We're doing gun shoots. We're doing we're doing social things to get people active and to get people uh, back up and running again. Uh, one of the hallmark things I'd like to have here in San Antonio uh, over my two-year term is the same thing that Austin just did, and the same thing that San Marcos uh, was just very successful at, and that's getting something on the ballot which will decriminalize marijuana and it will ban the use of no-knock raids by police forces. Hmm. Um, so the, the, the blueprint is already set. I was elected in March. I was very, you know, I started looking around in the news and I see that Al, uh, Austin has this thing on the ballot where the people are actually going to get to vote on marijuana decriminalization and the end of no-knock bans. Uh, it, yeah, the end of uh, no-knock raids, excuse me. Um, so I've, I've already set up the groundwork. Uh, we're working with Mano Amiga, which is a, a local advocacy group. Um, we're leveraging the, the, the use of Ground Game Texas, which is a Texas-based advocacy group. Uh, we're, we're already reaching out to the Democrats here in Bear County because that seems like it's up there where we'll house. Uh, we will coalition with anybody who believes in this one thing, right? Marijuana decrim and, and no-knock bans. If you're on board with that, we need to get a lot of signatures within a 180-day period. That way it will be on the ballot for San Antonio's and Bear County residents to vote on. Um, and, and if we can do that, you know, this is one of those examples of localized incrementalism, or if we can just get this one thing, you know, that, that's, that's 50 or 100 people a night who are getting pulled over and, oh, hey, sir, I smell weed in there, that now have their lives and the trajectory of their lives, you know, substantially changed, right? Because they're not getting some BS, um, small, petty a drug crime. They're not going to jail for that. They're going home to see their families that night. So that's that's one of the the things that I could see. Um, I, I could look back in two years, and if we've done that, and we've got good candidates on the ballot, that's something that uh, that would be successful for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, definitely uh, uh, get in touch with me about that. I uh, I'm I just joined a board of like a like a like a group for a track team here for like the homes uh, school, and I'm gonna go do like a lapathon today. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to definitely talk about how I interviewed today. I interviewed you today and that uh, you have that on your agenda. Yeah, yeah, the libertarians can be a, a, a leading force on that. 
that'll definitely uh, put some momentum locally to know that, uh, you know, you're trying to win on different multiple fronts. Uh, yeah, man, uh, uh, JR, thank you for coming on. Um, can you please uh, plug away where people can reach you directly, where they can reach you for uh, the LP stuff and, or anything that, and, and any events that you have uh, coming up here in the next, uh, uh, I guess, uh, let's just say like uh, after July, because this episode will play in a couple of weeks. So, so, but okay. yeah, man, go ahead and freestyle. Yeah. So plug away. Sure. Yeah. J.R. Hasloff, uh, chair of LP Bear here. Get in touch with me at jr at lpbear.org. Um, or just go to lpbear.org. Uh, we got a lpbear.org slash donate button if you want to get involved there. Sign up for, I'm not going to try to tell you all of the events we have coming up. We got a busy summer, obviously, and we got a busy fall. But on our website, you can go there to the events tab. You'll see a calendar of you know, our monthly socials, our fundraisings that are coming up, our booth opportunities. Uh, would love to come out and actually shake some hands there and, and, uh, and meet some people for sure. Okay. Yeah, man. Thank you. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we will talk soon. And, uh, and, uh, I'm, I, I, I'm definitely interested in that, uh, in that, uh, and, and putting that stuff on the ballot, man. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. That's, 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 that's real shit right there that we can really let's, try to get, get going. To work. Let's get cool, to man. work. Austin, Austin overwhelmingly approved it. And, and I think San Antonio's, are, uh, San Antonians are smart enough to do the same. Yeah, man. Cool, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Peace. Thanks, brother.